Wow, this place has a lot of caged tips. Man, what tips should we adopt? I don't know, maybe we could find a new one or a rescue. Oh, look at that one over there. Does this one bite? Hell yeah, bite, brother. Whoa! Whoa! That tip tops! Yeah, I do. Well, should we get this tape then? Damn straight, brother. Whoa! I think we know who we're going home with. From Party Fish Media, this, this is VH Quiz! VH Quest, yeah, where we help you quest for the best. VHS. You're a, I like, I like that, the nice smooth one. VH Quest. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to VH Quest. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to this month's episode. Technically, we're going to have two episodes this month. We do apologize about last week. Uh, we didn't have an episode because our tracks were really shitty. And we thought, why don't we just wait a week instead of releasing some garbage sound? So yeah. we appreciate everybody being super cool. And we're really excited to be back. Me and Mike, I, I haven't seen you in forever. How you doing? I'm feeling good. Apparently, I, somebody said I look younger. So... You do have a younger glow to you. It's just because I shaved. I don't look as homeless. Uh, that might be it. Yeah. That might be it. Yeah. Well, how you been? Um, what have you been up to? Aside from technology fucking us with this podcast, um, pretty good, man. Pretty damn good. I uh, just been like gardening. Never done that before. Trying to grow my own food. Fuck the system. So, yeah. I'm actually going to do some gardening tomorrow. I I get these uh, these Thai red chili pepper plants, and I make sriracha sauce with them. Dude, those things are my shit. And they make I mean, oh, yeah. fire shits, but they're good, man. They're good. Yeah. yeah I'm kind of getting back into the groove. Uh, I just got back from Chicago uh, a couple days ago. Um, if you y'all were on Instagram, you'd see that we were – Taking some pictures of some cool tapes, but uh, while I was there, I actually found some really fucking awesome stuff. And I'd have to say in the beginning, like Chicago is one of the best places to go and just fucking find shit. But wherever you go, whenever kind of thrift store you go to, you have to really, really, really dig. I bet. I mean, it's such a huge, huge spread out city that there's probably like providences everywhere with fucking mom and pop shops and all sorts of shit. There's one place specifically called uh, Village Discount Outlet, and it's the kind of it's the kind of thrift store. Well, at least the one that that I went to, it was basically three shelves that were just full of toys, and then there were VHS tapes like kind of underneath of them, hidden in the back. So Mackenzie would go through and pull out all of the tapes and bring them to the front. And then I would start going through all the titles and seeing if there's any of them that I wanted. And there was like three whole rows of just like easy bake ovens, weird toddler things, 
some like strange games and then just like two Jerry Maguire's and a wedding singer just kind of tucked underneath of it. Oh man. Yeah. You really got to dig then. Yeah. It's like actual, it's kind of, it's like going through the bins and trying to find the paper at the very bottom. Yeah. But I'll kind of, yeah. I mean, I'll kind of go through some of the best ones that I found. And I think this one is probably my favorite mostly because I really love uh, like religious or like Christian tapes. So I found one for you that I need to give it to you next time I see you. Oh yeah. And if you all remember about We Sing, yeah. But this is this is the We Sing counterpart. We Sing them, like Kingdom. Are you fucking kidding me? We Sing them. Yeah. Sing them. God, they're making up fucking words now. <laughs> found that one for you. Thought you'd like it. Uh, I also found two. Um, tapes that were made by the group that has the creation museum uh they're called answers in genesis and there's two tapes that are like it's like bill nye but um about dinosaurs and how dinosaurs lived with humans uh and it's like bill nye but there's this guy who's more like an indiana jones paleontologist guy he's really really lame he looks like al from home improvement and they have like the extinct files and the Jurassic Ark mystery. And it's the whole entire thing is them trying to prove that dinosaurs and humans lived at the same time. But their reasoning and backing is absolutely awful. Uh, when I bought it, though, I was super excited to fucking put it in and watch it. I found two of them, too. And there's like a bunch, but I found two of Fuck them. Fuck yeah. Those are fun, dude. They're just like ridiculous. My favorite thing is that they do like, uh, uh, they're like, scientists say that humans and dinosaurs didn't live together and that dinosaurs lived millions and millions of years ago. But how do they know? Were they there? <laughs> uh, you weren't there. The, but the Bible tells us, and then they go into a whole thing. <laughs> Fuck that. Well. It's so wild. <laughs> But yeah, so I found a couple of those, uh, you know, and then I found some, you know, like some Rugrats and SpongeBob's, and but then uh, what was the other one? I found a, a Canon video, but I don't remember the name. But it's like a feminine, like a femme fatale noir movie, and the the slogan is like, "She's been shipwrecked, shanghaied, and left out to drown, but she's back in business, baby." <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to find the video. They're all at Mackenzie's house right now, so I'll have to figure out where to get them. But yeah, I found all those, and then uh, I met up with a friend of mine, old friend from college, and he gave me a bunch of tapes too. Uh, he gave me um, like Teen Witch and uh, Amazon Women at the, on the Moon, uh, Cloak and Dagger, and Loose Shoes. That's a, that's such a cool little lot, dude. Especially like. I mean, Teen Witch, I grew up with that one. I love Teen Witch. Top that. Oh, yeah. No, that was, that's the one that Mackenzie also, like, pointed out and was like, holy shit. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, more or less, it kind of restored my, uh, my, my faith in, in the thrifting of, with tapes, you know, like, going to thrift stores and finding them. I think just because in Seattle, a lot of them are already picked through. But in Chicago, there's just so much. No, man. Endless, yeah. And a lot of people agree that it's probably the best city to thrift in. Yeah, unless unless obviously you find some hole in the wall like in the Midwest, but it's kind of hard to find those. Yeah. yeah. 
What about you? What have you found? Um, what have I found recently? I found um, I guess the best find that I didn't have is this movie called The Entity. Uh, it's like a horror movie, so add it to the stack. Um, and then I also found a really cool lot, like a bundle. I posted that on Instagram not too long ago. Of all the Evil Deads, all the Mad Max, all the oh, bunch nice. of werewolf movies. Just, I mean, things that I already had, but it was great. Uh, my buddy Sean just started collecting, and he hit me up and took the entire bundle from me. And it's cool. It's like I got to hook him up with a really solid start. So he's got, he's he's getting hooked, man. He's going to start questing now, which is great. There we go. Getting another person to quest. Yeah. Well, and that's the whole point. You're not to our listeners out there. Sorry, you're not going to be able to see this, but I have to show you this, Ben. Just to recap, what we do here is we do online recording since he's in Spokane and I'm in Seattle, and then we video chat each other so that way we can talk and chat. Oh my God. (laughs) What the hell? Mike, you got to explain what I'm looking at here. All right. So if you've ever seen Goosebumps, the return of the uh, (laughs) return of the fucking mummy living mummy or some shit i found basically the same one it's oh it's uh, pretty like the living dummy it's the living dummy one yeah not the living dummy um and yeah it's basically like him he was pretty much torn to shit but i got him like a toddler's onesie and so he's he's rocking it hard now oh my god it's like a red plaid onesie with shoes but it's it's the exact dummy from night of the living dummy that's amazing (laughs) that's a perfect addition to any anybody's collection i don't what i don't like about it is like anytime you look at the dummy it kind of the eyes are shifty man it's like really hard to not it's it's like looking every direction at once like oh i hate that we'll see if if i'm not on the next episode you guys know that it will have been haunted and taken over my house so (laughs) we'll see the next episode. Anybody seen Mike? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, there's one other uh, cool tape that I want to talk about that Taylor actually sent me. Taylor, first guest on the show. Uh, solid homie. Uh, he's, been, he's been sending me like care packages of tapes. Uh, some like super awesome shit. The latest one came with a... So it's a Japanese release of Disney's Peter Pan. And it's a bilingual tape, which means that there, you know how there's a red and a white cord? Uh, one of the cords, the language through it is English, and the other one is Japanese. So you can watch them in either language just by unplugging one of the cords. And it's a bilingual tape. That's awesome. It's probably one of the coolest things. And there's also, uh, they're also Black Diamond as well at the same time, so I'm sure I'm like hitting gold, right? Oh man, you know those black diamond tapes? You can get like 10, 10 G's off one, dude. I can get ten whole G's off, dude. I'm gonna be swimming in money. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't even know these existed. This was kind of wild when I was playing around with it. I think it's really tight. The other one, yeah, and the other one was Sword in the Stone, but that one's not a bi- bilingual tape. And then, yeah, and then he got me some uh, some solid SpongeBob's and a bunch of other animation. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been really tight. Oh, he got me one of the uh, one of the the grimace um, or the the Ronald McDonald tapes. That's oh yeah, 
Yeah. He got me one of, one of the Ronald McDonald tapes that I haven't found. So I think I have four of them right now, or maybe five. And the sixth one is really, really rare. Because uh, that was the one that you had to like send in for. Oh, really? There is. I didn't even know there was a sixth one, man. Because I had I, my grandparents had all five when I was growing up. But yeah, there's a sixth one. You had to send out to get it. So if anybody out there has the sixth one, hit me up. <laughs> I will. I will buy it from you. Just like name your price, but don't be outrageous. I'll buy it from you. <laughs> it's almost as rare as probably one of our favorite movies, Cars. Send us your cards. We're still looking. We're still finding. We were we were close. We found a we we found a uh, what we thought was it was a copy, but did it not? It wasn't a copy, or was it the tape? It was it was a copy, and it was just the tape. So no sleeve. (laughs) No sleeve. Okay, so so we're halfway there. That's pretty exciting, actually. (laughs) We found the tape, but no sleeve. So if anybody out there has a car's sleeve, let us know. We would really love to have it. Listen, people, life is a hi- life is a highway, and we will buy it all night long. <laughs> cool. Well, we have a really cool guest this this month. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna shut up and and let this guy kind of do the talk. And his name is Paul. Uh, he's a good friend of mine from the Northwest Film Forum here in Seattle. And uh, we sat down with him a couple weeks ago and kind of picked his brain. And really excited to to kind of hear what he, hear what he has to say and and show you guys uh, this really cool cool quester. We'll be right back. Welcome back to VH Quest Pod. Welcome back. We have a pretty cool interview uh, today with Paul Seipel. Um, is a friend of mine from the Northwest Film Forum here in Seattle, Washington. Uh, it's also a cool interview because this is our first uh, remote interview three ways. This is our first three way. Yes. Every podcast needs their first three-way. I am currently in Seattle, Washington. Paul is also in Seattle, but at his house, all of us are in our pajamas, and Mike is in Spokane. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, Paul, um, just start off. Just introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us about yourself, uh, what kind of collection you got, and uh, yeah, feel just tell us about you. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm the communications manager at Northwest Film Forum. I started collecting tapes back in college i think and i i started out of necessity basically it was like the only way to watch movies cheaply without pirating stuff i had kind of like had it with pirating and i don't know i got a couple of season desists for uh water world and uh king kong and peter jackson one and i just figured why why bother so uh and vhs's are like the only sort of format that we're like this is going to be 50 cents or a dollar or whatever when at the time that I was buying them. So they kind of spiral out of control after that point when I realized just how many sort of vile and bizarre things you could get on VHS. 
Um, but I've since sort of like pared it down over the years to things that I might actually want to watch rather than just things that are as strange as possible. So, so yeah. So <clears throat> when you say cease and desist, <laughs> what, how, what, what, how do you get letters from people? Like how, how, how much were you torrenting and where were you torrenting from? I don't know. I mean, it was all Pirate Bay links. Um, and it was just, you know, your ISP will send you an email that's like, we'll, um, you know, if you continue to share these files and then they name the files, like we'll discontinue your internet service. And that's, I mean, you know, it's like a light slap those, on the wrist. I used to get those all Got the it. time from that, that like media fire. <laughs> you guys remember media fire? Oh my God. Oh yeah. I, seriously. Endless albums. I still have them on an old iPod. Just stuff that you'd torn all day. Oh yeah. You spend, you make a day out of it. Just like ripping as much stuff as you possibly could. Yeah. I think I was in like ninth grade or something when I first figured out how to torrent shit. And I basically just ripped every single <laughs> album that I could possibly think of. And just like made all of these weird bootleg CDs. And was just like, yeah, I got the new album, blah, blah, blah. And people were just like, oh, you got, how'd you get this new album already? And I was like, oh yeah, just bootlegged it. It's like pretty cool. Because it was back when like torrenting was not really well known still, or at least like not really well known to people who are my age. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it was funny. Um, cool. Well, when did you start collecting, Paul? Or also, yeah, tell us a little about your collection and your taste. And when, when did you start? Um, <clears throat> the college days were kind of like, uh, I mean, I was, I was mostly looking for horror, but I was always interested in, uh, it feels like when you when you're you're sort of limited by what stores have, you can't really be yeah. too picky. <laughs> so I was looking for like cool Criterion esque foreign films, horror, action, and that's most of it. And then just things that are near and dear to my heart from childhood. So it's hard to say exactly what it looked like at the beginning, um, but there was definitely a lot of eighties horror and Muppets and uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm into so many different things now that it feels like my collection doesn't quite reflect that. Like I, I like musicals and classic film and classic rom-coms a lot more now. And I hardly have any of those in my stash. So it looks like, it looks like it was mostly like big, big Hollywood action, horror and foreign stuff. And wait, did you say porn stuff? Porn. Like, porn. Oh, porn stuff. <laughs> foreign porns. I'm just into foreign porn. <laughs> I actually, I actually did have a, a quick stint in foreign porn when I lived in Montreal. There's a really pl great place called Paul's Boutique that's no longer there, um, and it had. I mean, I was just listening to the uh, "Everything Is Terrible" episode. Now, when you say Paul's me. Boutique, this is your boutique, right? <laughs> I thought of it that way, but it was. Paul was uh, definitely my proportions, but seemed like he had done a lot more drugs and was very gregarious, which I am not. Um, yeah, he had a really, really strong, uh, you know, Montreal area, French-Canadian accent. But he would try to engage you and see what kind of porn you were looking for, etc. So very pushy guy. Um, and yeah, they, he had like a lot of just kind of creepy, amateur-y, bootleg-y, sort of no-label type porn and it was kind of too much for me at the time i think i was probably only like 
whatever, 21, and it just freaked me out. So I just went around looking for French horror editions instead. <laughs> okay. I probably picked up a couple things. Tight. So wait, you were, and you were saying mm-hmm. you were listening to the last episode. Oh, um, just that that's sort of when you're looking for VHS, it's like you're signaling that you're looking for something sort of snuffy or porny or culty when you're in another country. <laughs> he was saying, he was talking about his experience in Japan. I have had a lot of people tell me like that that's it's kind of like a weird I don't know there there are a lot of those weirdos that own porn shops like um we were talking to our buddy Tim at one point and they've got like I've, I've heard from multiple people you walk into this place and just ask what they have because a lot of those people are like yeah this used to just be a video store and then you know the porn industry came in and that's all that people wanted. So all the stuff that I paid all this money for is just in the back room if you want to go through it. And they'll have like horror movies, <laughs> action movies, anything that you want. Even foreign porn. Well, obviously. But um, yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's awesome, man. That's like the whole... It really, it really kind of inverted the market. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, okay, so you were talking about... Obviously, it's the cheaper way to collect them. I think, I think that's where everybody gets into it because it's like, you know, 25 cents or whatever at a thrift shop, which is getting more expensive. But when you, I was going to say, when you were a kid, what was your most fond memory growing up around tapes? And what what kind of like sparked your interest, especially if, if you're into horror, you know, what sparked your interest with, um, with specific genres? Um, so when I was a kid... This may seem either hard or very easy to believe. I never had a TV. My parents were anti-TV. So I had a neighbor two doors down whose house I would spend practically all of my time at because they had cable, they had HBO, they rented movies, et cetera, et cetera. Really, home video didn't become a thing in my life until um, we until computers were able to play DVDs. And that was when the the lines started blurring. But... Um, so when I was a kid watching TV and doing late night X-Files stuff at, uh, the neighbor's house, I don't know how old I was, maybe like five, six ish, my sister and her friend, so that the neighbors had, you know, sort of like a, a corresponding kid for each age of the corresponding siblings at my family's house. And, uh, my middle sister was watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre with, the middle sister of that family and they wouldn't let me into the living room. So I just sat on the little stair that faced into the living room. That was as much as I was allowed. And I watched the, the colors on the wall above the couch, just like flaming, just blazing reds and oranges and stuff. And, and listened to the really intense sound mix of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but it's, it's amazing sound design. And it just it made me want to be in there and i don't really know exactly how much that made me a horror fan but it feels like a pretty pretty solid uh route to grow out of it's crazy how like when you're a kid though too with those movies like it almost is the audio that fucks you up more because like i don't know when i first watched (laughs) halloween that theme song got in like anytime i heard it as a kid it fucked me up dude (laughs) like i just knew something was around the corner i always thought there was i i feel like in a lot of horror movies especially like the older horror movies the the music and the soundtracks and the the audio are scarier than the movie because like halloween itself if without the music and as a slasher film i feel like is not like that scary like not that horrifying 
But when you put the music and the theme song and like the different like ominous tones throughout, like while Michael Myers is stalking, you know, um, Laurie, that's what makes it horrifying to me. Cause it like builds a suspense, makes you feel uncomfortable, it makes you feel like scared. And the same with Nightmare on Elm Street too. I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street has a little different kind of horrorness to it, but I feel like the music and the soundtracks are what make it Actually, really scary. Um, this this might also tie into my my young horror fanness, but um, because we didn't have TV radio was actually pretty big at my house and at night i think kuow or maybe it was cairo 710 would switch to old time radio stories speaking of uh compelling horror audio they um they would have some someone sort of introduce an episode of arch obler's lights out or something like that and and talk about the foley techniques that they would use on the show and then they would play the episode and there were some really intensely horrifying ones. And I remember listening with rapt attention, like just sitting by the radio, not like just envisioning everything and as it was intended. And there's a, a particular episode that gave me nightmares where somebody walks into a room that turns them inside out. And I don't know, like what perverted mind came up with this concept but the the sound effect was a rubber glove a long rubber glove getting turned inside out and it was just like so dramatic such a great like visual and to to express it using only like a single grotesque sound really uh played to my imagination so yeah i, I love sound design stuff i love barbarian sound studio and and any any glimpse into the world of foley that i can get i'm into that sounds so insane. And also, yeah, I, it's I so love what uh, John Carpenter said. <laughs> or it's either Carpenter or Savini. They're saying, like, the scariest thing is kind of something that you don't, you can't quite make it out. Something that's kind of just, like, lurking behind your shoulder. And it, it might be blurry, but because you don't know what it is or because you have to imagine what it could be, your brain starts to really just formulate all the, all the crazy, crazy things that could be behind your shoulder. I, I think... The idea of getting turned inside out would be a pretty cool movie. <laughs> yeah, a dark thing moving in the dark will always get me more than like a thing leaping out of the dark. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's like you're you're not a, you're not scared of the dark. You're scared of what's in the dark, and it's like the horrifying, not knowing what it is. I don't know. I always, when I was younger, scary movies scare the fuck out of me, especially like the the like murder and slasher films. And I remember watching. With my friend, we got a copy of I Know What You Did Last Summer, and we were watching that in his basement without, like, with you know, without our parents knowing. And I had nightmares for probably like a year, like, no exaggeration. I was scared for like a year after that. Uh, and I always just thought that there was gonna, I was gonna wake up and I was gonna look like, I was gonna look through my open door into the hallway and see like the murderer guy with like his. Uh, what is it called? Like a scythe or a, a sickle or something? But you know the the murder weapon that he has, and I was I had nightmares for a solid year. It scared the fuck out of me. And I remember telling my mom. My mom was just like, "What is going on with you?" And I was like, "I watched this scary movie. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to." Seriously. And she she was just like, "I think that you learned your lesson enough." <laughs> so Paul, so you said that your collection you have now, kind of kind of represents your taste 
but so do you have like a special way of curating now or are you kind of just a get whatever you can kind of person? Uh, I don't really shop a lot. Like I used to, it used to sort of be like practically the only thing I did for fun was just go to the Dearborn Goodwill and browse their giant selection. But I mean, as you guys have mentioned on the show before, like that, that has gone down at least 50% to just a couple shelves. Um, and so when I go there, it's sort of like, I don't know, I just feel over the hill. Like I don't want to like crouch on my hands and knees and look at the bottom three shelves of the, uh, the Goodwill selection anymore. So I'll just, I'll just peruse and sort of look for, um, titles that are on my watch list on Letterboxd and, and, uh, names of classic film stars that I want to see more of Ray Meland and Deanna Durbin and whoever. Um, and obviously I'm always still on the lookout for eighties horror. Like that's still the kind of thing that'll be my hook. Um, the nineties um, comedies and stuff. Like I sort of, I started tuning it out. I just, I'm, I'm looking for something that, that I might actually want to watch on VHS. So it's, it's better for me if I find something that's, um, you know, in 1.33 ratio, like, cause it's the shape of most of the TVs that I would watch this on. And, uh, basically, I mean, so I, Sean McBride, who Ben, you might've worked with in the past. Um, yeah, he does. Does he, is he the, um, that's, Wait, that's the projection. Sean yeah, and the he projector, was, Sean? The one who moved to Tumwater. Um, he, when he first introduced me to the concept of pan and scan, I always kind of had a sense that there was something fucked up about the like the four three crop of VHSs. And when he explained it and like how arbitrary it can be, it kind of ruined widescreen VHSs for me. I mean, if you if you have a pan and scan tape you're just getting like a third of a movie. <laughs> so, so I really kind of, um, I kind of lost interest in collecting at that point. And now I just look for just occasional gems. So can you describe to the listeners what pan and scan means? So pan and scan, imagine that you have a, a movie in cinemascope, like a movie that is incredibly wide. It's meant to be shown at a theater. It's projected and it looks like, a very very long rectangle when something is pan and scanned it's it's just a crop of that like it takes the four three ratio of most home tvs mm -hmm. of the time that vhs was being released and it just takes that frame sort of not exactly at random but it'll pick something at the discretion of the person making the vhs that just seems like the most relevant information so if you have like a person talking they'll just take that person out of the frame and that'll be all you see. But there's a good chance that if you're watching a cinemascope film and you're, and it's a super wide shot and somebody's talking sort of in the middle of the frame, they're probably somebody else that's supposed to be in that frame. <laughs> right. So, sure. Yeah. It's fucked up and it's, and it's weird. I mean, I've watched movies where there's a line of dialogue and there's just nobody in the frame because it, they just took the center of the film. <laughs> I hope that I haven't ruined VHS for you just now. Cause yeah, this, this podcast <laughs> is done after hearing that. I, uh... <laughs> so um, I was going to ask you, Paul, because um, Ben and I have had this conversation too. And it, it really, basically my favorite part about this, this podcast and talking to people that collect is we're kind of just talking to hoarders. 
Oh, you um, are. You are. Because <laughs> we have so much. But so on a scale of like 50 to, I don't know, what's like your back stack situation looking like? Because, you know, like the, the tapes that maybe you picked it up because of the cover or because <laughs> of the description. Um, yeah, I think you, you kind of get the gist. Oh, I, I definitely, I really get the gist. Um, so my tapes are arranged so that the ones that are sitting up are the ones that I've already seen. And there are ones that are facing down so that the you know it's skinny title out are ones that I haven't. And sort of at a glance, I would say it's only about 50% of the main collection, the stuff that I haven't seen. But uh, that's kind of a lot when you think of cumulative man hours of watching. <laughs> and... Uh, of course, I've got all kinds of other formats too. Like I had a huge donation of laser discs from a couple different sources. John Campos, the Sunday volunteer at the Film Forum, and um, Everyday Music gave me like several entire boxes of laser discs. And I just, I mean, I haven't watched like any of them. <laughs> there's, there's hundreds of them. But uh, do, you, do you do you have a functional player? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I have a really nice laser disc player. I've several of every other kind of player. This there's one working beta, one working laser disc, and then a whole bunch of Blu-ray, DVD, and VHS players. I snagged a Betamax player from Goodwill, from the Dearborn Goodwill, actually, like maybe <laughs> a couple months ago, uh, and it works really well. And inside of the inside was a bootleg tape of Nothing But Trouble. And that was great. I used to have laser disc players, but all of them have broke in the past couple of years, and it's really bummed me out because I have some good movies on laser disc that I want to watch, and I can't find them at Goodwill. Like it's just, I mean, I haven't been able to find them very much at thrift shops or anything like that for some reason. I used to see them all the time. They're hidden in the vinyl. Yeah, there's there's like you know ten randomly scattered throughout the vinyl, but uh, like. I feel like people just stop accepting them at some point, you know, like they're just like, these don't move and they just take up weight on our shelves. That's yeah. it. The, um, the embarrassing, the most embarrassing backstack thing I have is I accepted, uh, my coworkers family's entire collection of taped television, which is like, I don't even, I haven't counted it, but I would say it's probably pretty easily like 600 tapes of just oh. like, Shit. Taped, taped TV specials and Mission Impossible and Outer Limits and Twilight Zone and it's all like stuff that's available on DVD now but the thing is the ads for like Dairy Queen and stuff are not so available on DVD so I kind of want to comb through it and see what kinds of sweet uh, 90s ads I can dig out yeah that's also something I feel like you could you could sift through while just you know eating your cereal in the morning <laughs> or uh, yeah. you know, just, just hanging out it's kind of funny how we watch those old tapes and we fast forward through the TV show to get to the commercials. This this guy in Craigslist <laughs> gave me uh, like a box, maybe like 20 or 25 uh, tapes of episodes recorded off of Star Trek or, or ep Star Trek episodes recorded off of the sci-fi channel. And the commercials on the sci-fi channel are weird as fuck. And if I ever get <laughs> enough time, I'm going to sit and I'm going to play the tapes and then run it through my little system into another VCR and just rip off the commercials, basically, and get like little mixtapes of commercials. Because the sci-fi TV show commercials from, you know, the 80s and 90s are so bizarre and so weird. 
like the ones for their strange TV shows. And also there's a bunch of like VHS commercials on them too. It's like this new movie in VHS. It's like a lot of the weird old horror movies. <laughs> and you're like, wow, this is just so campy and so strange. This feels like one of the, one of the untapped, uh, well, it's, it's tapped, but it's not as tapped, uh, sort of collectors niches is getting old commercials. Like they're harder to find for one thing. And they're, they're just always buried. Like you, you have to find them within something else. Um, and so there's no way that those punk kids stealing all the tapes early in the morning are going to get a leg up on That's us true. with yeah. this one. So yeah, hang on yeah to this. we need somebody to make like a super cut of just, just cracked out commercials that, that for products that tanked, you know, <laughs> Well, it's kind of cool is that the only, I mean, maybe not the only way, but the main way of doing that is just by having old TV recorded VHS tapes, you know, like that or the Mm -hmm. internet. But it's kind of cool that like the only way to really preserve those commercials are with the VHS tape medium because it was the way that you could like record stuff off of the television. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I'm looking here at my collection, and I I've asked I asked this to to you, Mike, before, but I want to know your your side of it, Paul, too. So I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of series tapes uh, where I have almost every single tape in the series minus like one or minus two, and it bothers the fuck out of me, and I hate it. Are you a kind of person that really needs to get like full series of tapes? Like, do you? Like if you have every tape except for one, would you then go out to the Goodwills and then go out to the to the thrift shops and try to find that tape, or are you really not into that anymore? No, I actually, I have I have never been a completionist, and uh, I always kind of I always kind of figured that I would be able to if I wanted to just get the complete X Files or something, I could just get it on eBay, and I mean that's not a not a noble thing to do, but. Uh, I think the only thing I have in series is the Decalogue, and I haven't watched any of those. <laughs> there's, so, nothing, there's nothing wrong with eBay. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about that before, too. Uh, eBay and, and, well, mostly eBay, Amazon, I guess, but mostly eBay being uh, a new frontier to find tapes. And I think that some mm. people aren't, a, you know, maybe not like it as much because it's not really like finding or going out and trying to find something but it's still the collection of the tape and like you still get these tapes and you're usually buying them off people who are also collectors so it's still kind of moving the tapes around in the community which i think is pretty yeah, cool yeah i seem to like i i like the ebay game it just yeah. kind of like it also definitely like you were saying paul this punk kids that swoop in in the morning and and take the loot there's all sorts of snipers all over ebay and stuff too so it makes it I don't know. It's making it more and more difficult. I really enjoy Instagram for that reason. I think we've talked about that is that there are like communities all over the internet that will work with you and cut you a pretty good deal on stuff. But on eBay, I know, I think people know the, the price scale. And so they, they make people do bidding wars on them and then you end up not getting it. And who wants to pay 30 plus dollars for a VHS tape? It kind of defeats the whole purpose of collecting tapes. Yeah, it can be a little, it's a little draining, but uh, I have gotten, gone looking for the occasional special thing on 
eBay. It feels like it, it's more where I go for like special records that I know are out there. But if I ever tried to look for them in reality, I just never would find them. Like, I don't know, James Carr records. I had to order the, the Hairspray original soundtrack on eBay because there was just no way I was ever going to find it in a thrift store or like used record store. So was that one of your quests was the Hairspray original soundtrack? I had to have it. And now I have Hairspray on every format. I have a, the vinyl record, a VHS, a Blu-ray, a DVD, and a Laserdisc. <laughs> it is my favorite film. Oh my god. Do you have anything else yeah. that you have on every medium? Um, No, but I definitely have a lot of uh, cross-medium stuff. I think I probably have a decent number of John Carpenter yeah. things on multi- multiple media. Um, I'm just sort of glancing over it right now, checking it out. No, it's mostly John Carpenter. You know what's really, really interesting? I was looking at, um, my buddy has the movie, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the movie Rock and Rule. No. It's like a fully animated, um, I want to say like uh, Ralph Banksy did some animation on it. But anyways, it's a really cool, rare, fully animated 80s movie. But what happened with that tape, it like the VHS is like, you know, hundred bucks or whatever. It's kind of outpriced. And then the DVDs, there's kind of a limited release on them or something. So it's, they're kind of expensive as well. Mm-hmm. Somebody discovered a, like a shipping crate, like a, one of those like huge containers that go on boats and stuff, just full of rock and roll laser discs. So that just <laughs> oddly enough is the cheapest way to get that movie. Wow. Yeah. That's kind of awesome. <laughs> it is pretty rad, yeah. <laughs> Somebody quested it and found an entire boat crate. <laughs> I, I got to say, I mean, speaking of being a hoarder wow. and shipping crates, I seriously have a lot of hoarder dreams about finding things like that. Like, oh, yeah. I, I guess most of them. So my main collection thing, the main reason I go to Goodwill these days is to collect, like, um, old home video recolorers and enhancers and processors and um tube cameras and uh i have lots and lots of dreams where i just like i'm in the basement of somebody's house and i remove a little panel from a wall and find a secret room full of electronics or something like that (laughs) and and before i had these dreams it was the same thing but with vhs like i would find like incredible hordes of 70s and 80s vhs movies like I don't know what it is that makes these worth putting in my dreams, but they're special to me. No, that's, I think that's, that's why we have this podcast. This is because, <laughs> because yeah, I, uh, you know, I go to the Goodwill bins a lot and there's nothing better than finding, cause they, I think they only charge like five, it's like a nickel or 10 cents for VHS tapes there. And I've walked Ooh. out of there with, with like really good ones. And I'm like, man, I only spent like a dime on this tape. <laughs> but then you start getting the, you start getting the fever and it ends up chipping away into your, into your dream world where you're just like, I can't, I need to go back. I need to go find the other stuff that I missed. <laughs> I got to ask. So by the time that this uh, interview airs, mm-hmm. this whole thing will kind of be a little old news. Uh, but right now it's a little more current. What do you think about the five pack tapes at Urban Outfitters for forty bucks? Oh, I love those. I just they're 
they're so sweet and naive. Like they, they, they point to this like really delightful out of touchness of capitalism where every once in a while it'll like, it'll, it'll just kick up some dumb idea. And honestly it, uh, I don't know if you guys watched that documentary on the fire festival. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. That, that scene where the guys, some, I, I can't remember who's being interviewed on, on TV about it, but he's like, if you if you've got thousands of dollars to go see Green Day on an island or whatever, like that's on you. <laughs> like that's that's uh, that's Darwinism at its finest. And if you're dumb enough to buy a five pack of VHSs at Urban Outfitters for forty dollars, like I I mean I don't want to like necessarily insult them, but it's just like you should look at why you're doing it and think about it a little harder. <laughs> I, I also like right when they announced that and they. It kind of it. I was I'm I fully agree with you, Paul, because it's kind of like Darwinism. Like, but I also look at it as like that person is going to take it and be like, "Wow, these are like relics," and then they're going to take them and probably put them next to like a succulent or like a Crosley record player, and they're just going to sit on a shelf and gather dust, and they're never going to find a VCR <laughs> to watch that tape. They're just getting it for the novelty. I just think it'd be funny to see somebody with like a copy of Night at the Roxbury in between their succulent (laughs) and their Crosby player. I mean, uh, I can't, I can't hate on people who who get things just for looks too much because honestly, it's so much of my life. And to be totally frank, like most of my VHSs are incredibly dusty, but uh, I, I'm still, I don't, I don't buy things just like, when they when they seem to come from a context, I think twice about getting them. Like if it's like, I've got this sculpture that somebody told me was made by some like street vendor in Peru. Like, isn't that cool? Like, I don't really do that. Um, usually, if it's like it needs to have at least the story behind it of like somebody told me about meeting this street vendor and they bought this cool thing from them and I'm giving it to you because I don't have room for it. And then I'll have like a little more to say about the item that's in my house. But yeah, yeah, I think it's an, it's, it's totally cool to hoard and to commodify and to fetishize and everything, but you just need some kind of relationship to the thing that you're doing that with. So I mean, that kind of makes me think a little bit about, how I mean, I mean to be honest with you, I probably you know I just got a huge thing of tapes, and to be honest, I probably haven't watched now like half of my tapes I have I haven't watched just because I just upgraded uh, to a bunch more. And but we asked this question to some other people on the podcast too about whether or not you watch all your tapes versus how much of it is just for like the cover or how much is it for just for the spine. And there's nothing really wrong with that, uh, just having them as a display, um, but. For, to you with your collection you know can you give us an estimate of how many tapes you think you've actually watched versus how many tapes that you have because of the tape itself or because of the certain cover or because of something like that well there's definitely some overlap in that venn diagram but i'd say it's it's pretty close to 50 50 i think maybe more than 50 percent i haven't watched um but i so sean and i used to collect stuff just for the absurdity of the covers together a lot more just because it was sort of like a social thing. Like we would go out and find the dumbest looking possible action movies that were just like produced at the height of um, home video mania. And we would get them and sometimes watch them, but mostly not. And 
I kind of got rid of a lot of those when he moved out. Like it's, it's a sad way to say goodbye, but I just gave him back to the, to the, the ocean. I gave him back to goodwill. Well, you know, you and, know, some action collector is probably like, holy shit. Like, this is, <laughs> this is the Becca. Yeah, These are no. all the movies that I do want to watch. I, I totally gave it, gave it to the, I committed it to the ocean thinking like, this is going to make somebody really happy. And I just didn't know anyone in particular at the moment that would have wanted to receive like a hundred really dumb action movies with Olivier, Olivier Gruner in them or whatever. Um, right. I think that's kind of a, kind of a beautiful thing about the community of, of VHS tape collectors is that if you have tapes that you may not watch or tapes that you may not have room for or, tapes that you but you know they could go to a good home like you just you're donating those to goodwill or you're giving those to a thrift shop for somebody else to find uh, because because it's kind of like it's kind of like money you know everything we want it to circulate between people and we want everybody to have what they've been looking for and the only way that you can quest for something that you want is by somebody else giving that thing up mm-hmm. and i think that's the whole entire point and that's why i think binging some or purging some of your collection uh, is a more of a noble thing to me, just because it gives it gives those tapes back into the world of people who may be looking for that specific tape, and you're going to make somebody super super happy yeah. because of it. Yeah, I mean the the world is going to that VHS collecting world is going to rejoice when I eventually had to move out of this house and uh, <laughs> into a tiny cubicle because of the rent in Seattle. <laughs> I know, isn't it? It's it's crazy. I'm living in like a basement right now and. Everything I own is packed aside from my tapes because having them out brings me comfort. I don't know, just like being able to see like a wall and a library of the stuff you've amassed. But I always think about that. It's like at a certain point, when am I just going to be like sleeping on a bed made of tapes? You know? <laughs> Believe it or not, I've actually made a bed made of tapes and I, I only lay on it. I didn't sleep on it because I was too concerned for their lives. But uh, yeah, that was... That was a good feeling. You can't put the tapes through that. <laughs> but yeah, um, about um, collecting things just for their covers, I, I do still, I'm a huge sucker for a, a really novel cover. I don't know if you guys um, follow Red Letter Media or watch them religiously like I do. Their posts, I still haven't gotten all the way through it because I kind of want to watch it like very closely. Their, their post of all of their VHSs, just photos of every cover, is like insane. It's it's every it's every idiotic beautiful movie cover that I have wanted to see. Like so many of those are movies that I've gotten and thought like, man, I just found the movie to end them all. Like the stupid fantasy sword and sandal movie to end them all. And then there's hundreds more in Red Letter Media's uh, library. Okay, I, I won't lie. I've never heard of Red Letter Media. What what is that exactly? So they, I mean, I'm, I don't want to do them any discredit by misrepresenting their history, but they, as far as I know, got famous for doing the, um, I think it's like a 60 or 70 minute review of episode one. And they sort of, they created a character to do Star Wars movie reviews that was really funny, really caught on with nerds. And it really sort of astutely picks apart the um, prequel trilogy. And uh, is also just really crude and silly at the same time. So a lot of people went nuts for it. 
and they have just sort of gradually grown their little empire and done a lot of different kinds of review shows. They do a program called Half in the Bag. They do a program called Best of the Worst, where they find they spin a wheel and pick like the most weird and I don't know, just sort of often unsavory, but sometimes just inexplicable movies to watch. And then they compare them all and talk about them. They make jokes. They pick which one's their favorite. Sometimes they pick the worst one and destroy it. And I just, I just watched their episode on the beasties the other day, which I have seen, but man, what a, what a pile of trash. Like <laughs> They really do have a solid list of, uh, best of the worst <laughs> i i literally watch every single episode there's there's no like um dudes commenting on movies thing that i watch except for that because i just feel yeah. like you know yeah. there's a lot of those and i and i live that life already <laughs> so like i i just need those that one celebrity group yeah. the biggest bummer was i think it got shut down october 1st like Whoever shut down this site, you can burn in hell. I just want you to know. If you're listening to whoever shut down this fucking streaming site, you suck. But I, I want to say it was the guys behind Red Letter Media had a streaming site called Movie Torture for a while. And I'm sure any horror fans listening to this episode probably, I hope you had a chance to indulge in Movie Torture because they had every, they literally had sections that were like best of the worst splasher like genres for just horror and like really bizarre like they had some like twilight movie ripoff called i think it was like the last vampire like just trash like every single movie was either so ridiculous that it ended up on there or it was like basically the room you know <laughs> um so yeah whoever shut down movie torture burning hell <laughs> fuck i wish i had known about this I know, but yeah, listen to Red Red Letter Media and watch their stuff because they rule. They rule. Um, honestly, it's been incredibly sweet to sort of grow up with them. Like I started watching their videos in like high school, I guess, maybe even middle school. And I mean, I'm still watching them. They're still producing new content and I'm still watching it. It's like really trippy when every once in a while they'll show footage from an old episode that's like, you know, 15 years ago or something and they're all just so much younger. <laughs> it's really endearing. I, I kind of want to know, do you have any specific tapes um, that you really, really, really love? Like just a couple of tapes that you really love that you want to kind of tell some viewers about. Ooh, boy. I wish you had uh, asked me this before I was on the air. Um, bro. This is part of the show is that we always throw this last question at people and they're like, because <laughs> they, they never have like a direct answer because there's going to be a hundred, but because this podcast is educational, just tell the listeners what you like. <laughs> like what are some of your favorite, uh, favorite finds, I guess, because it's all about questing. What's something that you found in the wild that you were like, this is tight. I'm going to keep this forever. <laughs> I'm very excited about the lenticular cover for star kid that I just got. That's pretty sweet. But that movie, that movie kind of sucks a lot. So I don't know if I should... that's the one where he he gets inside the alien's body. Right, he gets inside a suit that like comes from space yeah. or something. And but the suit is an alien. Yeah, yeah. 
And then the, the, the it's like a hologram, the cover for that. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like the kid and the alien face sort of fusing together. Yeah. <laughs> um, I found a copy of Carnal Knowledge. I think that was actually in Montreal. That was one of my one of my favorite finds. I don't know if you guys know that film, but uh, I love that movie. It's amazing. It's like fucking. I mean, I I have qualms about Jack Nicholson, obviously, but like he knocks it out of the park. Art, Art Garfunkel is just delightful in it. And Margaret is it. It solidified my Anne Margaret fandom for sure. Um. Let's see, what else do we got here? Mm. <laughs> I'm I'm defaulting to the clamshells because honestly, like that's where some of the, the strangest stuff is. Um, I don't know if you guys remember Billy Blanks, the Tybo guy. Oh yeah. But I have um Tiger Claws and Talons of the Eagle are both Billy Blanks movies that I'm very proud to own. Yeah, I just found TC two thousand not too long ago. <laughs> is that a sequel? Um, I fuck if I know, maybe there's another TC something, but um, and then he's in another one with fucking Rowdy Piper too. Ooh, like, wow! It's called Back that. in Action. Pretty great. <laughs> I had no idea that the Taibo dude was in movies before he did Taibo stuff. Or was not only is he in movies, but they're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tiger Claws has um Cynthia Rothrock, and that, I think that film was my introduction to Cynthia Rothrock and. If you guys haven't seen any movies with her in them, just look up her best known four films and see them. They're all delightful. She um, is a mixed martial artist lady who sort of broke into action cinema through Sammo Hung, um, the kung fu genius and great director. Uh, let's see. Well, the okay, tape, so, my last tape, last tape. Yes. Yeah. I will keep this tape forever. Uh, my French copy of Sleepaway Camp is Ooh, that's a, a genuine, a genuine beauty. <laughs> is it the same cover or is it, does it have a different, uh, cause I know the, the typical cover is like the knife going through the shoe, right? Yeah, that's, it is that. And it's, yeah. It's a huge clamshell. I mean, <laughs> just just holding it, you feel like you're holding the Bible. <laughs> yeah, it weighs like 50 pounds. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think that might be the, an answer to our last question, but mm-hmm. we're still going to ask it. Mike, can I get a drum oh, roll, please? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what is your golden tape? <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> right, right. As you're as you're talking about it, now you're like, shit, man. I'm, I have no idea. Well, should I come up with something else, or is that my golden tape? I mean, I, that actually, honestly, that sounds like it would be your golden tape. It was definitely the thing when I found it that I was just like, no fucking way! <laughs> like, how did this just happen? But um, and you found it too. You didn't even oh. like it. Didn't show up on like some internet platform you just where'd you find it tell us where you found french sleepaway camp that one was at uh, paul's boutique oh, that shit. was at the, the montreal uh, the montreal porno and and amateur bootleg uh, oh, man. store that is awesome <laughs> shout out to paul's boutique if I, had to, if I had to pick a runner up i think if i had to pick a runner up for golden tape it would it would be my copy of andre rubleff um that I got from 
Scarecrow when they were selling their uh, Kino stock. Oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. That's a good one too. That's a good one too. Well, awesome. Well, before we part ways, um, do you have any advice or tips to the listeners out there about collecting? I would say follow your heart, like follow your heart and find a genuine relationship with the tapes that you're getting. Uh, I like that you guys' message is to share them as much as possible with the community and actually sort of give them a new life. Um, I wish that I did that more with my tapes. They're, they honestly just sit there for the most part. And a lot of the time when people come over, I'll be like, check out all these tapes, pick anything. We can watch anything. And, and people will be like, oh, cool. Oh, my God. And look at all of them. And then they'll be like, well, what's on Netflix? And I'll just be like, you know, <laughs> I don't fucking know what's on Netflix, okay? Like, just look at the tape. <laughs> I have all these fucking tapes that you can pick from. Yeah. And I, I kind of understand. I mean, like in the same way that Pan and Skin revulses me, like I, I often watch whatever I have on DVD and Blu-ray first, but um, they are they are just sort of like a, another breed of media. Like I, I can't quite put my finger on what I love about tapes, but it is seems to be an easy enough thing to share when you meet other yeah. people that are into collecting. Yeah. So. Just uh, get out there and don't don't just hoard them. <laughs> don't keep them and all like, yourself. And tell your friends to get the fuck off Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime and go buy tapes. <laughs> I don't know. Pop in the tape. Uh, you guys should make some make some t-shirts for your podcast. Let's say exactly just, that. Just super. You know. Just hey, fuck you, it. fuck you. <laughs> Yeah. unsubscribe unlike <laughs> paul it was super awesome talking with you about your collection uh do you have any platforms or any anywhere that, that people can find you aside from the seattle film forum i ask literally only that people come to the film forum and watch movies um i don't really go for social cool. media too much so that's that's where i want to be found that's where uh you should come if you want to see exceptional films uh, not entirely unlike my VHS collection. So. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Go to the Film Forum in Seattle if you live there. If you don't, go to wherever your nearest you know, local art cinema is. Yeah, go to Paul's Boutique. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thanks so much, Paul. We really appreciate you uh, talking with us, sitting down, all of us in our sweats and bathrobes. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it too. And I I'll will see, see you, you on Wednesday at the Film Forum. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Take it easy, Ben. Hey, you I too, Paul. Later. All right, video freaks. Thank you so much for listening to VH Quest, brought to you by Seattle's first podcast network, Partyfish Media. Yo, our theme music is done by Will Paulson. Our logo is done by Chris Holsizer. You can find us on Instagram, as always, at VH Quest Pod. Or on Facebook, almost definitely at VH Quest Pod. Or shoot us an email constantly at VHQuestPod at gmail.com. And make sure to send us those dope reviews, yo. We're trying to figure out other movies to watch. So if anything, you know what you got and you, you need to share it. Let us know what you found, where you've been, what you're doing. Make our job easier here. We want to know the movies that you're questing for. And because you're doing that, we have to say, 
as always, keep, keep on, on questing! questing.